You are listening to The Beckett Cook Show with your host, Beckett Cook. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. To help support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash the Beckett Cook Show. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a five-star rating. Hey guys, welcome to the Becca Cook Show. I'm Becca Cook, and today I want to look at the father of psychoanalysis, emphasis on psycho, Sigmund Freud, and how Sigmund Freud has dramatically shaped our culture today and how we see ourselves as sexual beings. For Freud, sex was at the core, sexuality was at the core of who human beings are. And this is, I mean, you can obviously see this in the LGBTQ movement and other, and and TV shows like Sex and the City and on and on and on and on, where sex is no longer just a desire. It's, it's become who we are. It's become our identity. And of course, homosexual homosexuality was my identity for many 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 years until god rescued me out of that 11 years ago and but we're going to take a look at freud and again we're we're going through carl truman's book the rise and triumph of the modern self and he has a whole section on freud and i want to look at freud's theories and his scientific method and kind of demonstrate how that has shaped us today. And of course, as I mentioned before, I studied Freud in college when I, when I spent a junior year abroad in Vienna, I had a, a a Neo Freudian professor and she, she wasn't even Neo Freudian. She was just a Freudian professor and she was obsessed with Freud, Dr. Lechtachner, was her name Lechleitner, and uh, and so we're going to look at Freud and and see what in the world his his where he came up with this theory, how he hated Christianity, how he hated religion, despised it, and and what his kind of solution was to uh, to human existence and to to fulfill. Uh, he, he of course wrote the famous essay, Civilization and Its Discontents. And we're going to look at that a little bit, Civilization and Its Discontents, and and understand what that title even means, why there's a discontent in civilization, and and unpack that. But um, Freud was a very, very strange character indeed. And so we're going to look at him today. And Freud was definitely a man of the enlightenment and his his complete repudiation of traditional religion or christianity really uh, and his confidence in the analytical analytical reasoning is is evidence uh, that he was very much a product of the enlightenment and for freud the goal of human existence was to be happy and the way to be happy was to be sexually fulfilled. That's it was all about for Freud genital pleasure. That's that's what his focus was. 
that's what his obsession was. And that for, for him expressing yourself sexually was living the good life. That's what was living the good life. And for him, sex and sexual expression were at the very center of human existence. He was obsessed with sex and in and, and sex and sexual fulfillment for Freud was what it it's what it means to be human. That's what it means to be human. And he had different categories of he, he had a theory of the id, the ego and the superego with regards to sex, which we'll get into. So in civilization and its discontents, I'm going to read a, a, just a short passage, which will give you an idea of Freud's obsession with sex. He says, man's discovery that sexual love afforded him the strongest experience of satisfaction and in fact provided him with the prototype of all happiness must have suggested to him that he should continue to seek the satisfaction of happiness in his life along the path of sexual relations and that he should make genital eroticism the central point of his life. So again, if happiness is the is the goal of human existence, is the goal of human life, then for Freud, the pleasure principle, as he calls it, the quest for pleasure focused on sexual gratification was central to what it meant to be a self. That's who, who you are. The purpose of life was, again, personal sexual fulfillment. And so for Freud, the purpose of procreation is subordinated to the purpose of personal sexual pleasure. And we've talked about Rousseau before. And, and for Rousseau, the, the natural man, the man in his natural state, was fundamentally good. And he was empathetic and rational. But for Freud, it was the opposite. For Freud, man in, in his natural state is dark, violent, and irrational. And so he has all these irrational sexual urges and sexual drives, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, and he, he really sexualized children because as you know, I mean, if you've, I'm sure you've heard of the Oedipus complex that comes from Freud and the Oedipus complex is when a young boy around the age of two, three, four starts to have desire for his mother and wants to and despises his father, basically is jealous of his father and, you know, practically wants to kill his father. Basically, that's what Freud's theory was about sex, childhood sexual development, that boys wanted to have sex with their mothers, kill their fathers. And then for girls, it was called the Electra complex. The same thing. Girls wanted to to have sex with their fathers at a very young age. They felt that sexual kind of drive and wanted to get rid of their mothers. And uh, there was also this notion of the castration complex when young girls first saw, let's say, their brother and saw that their brother had a penis and that they didn't have a penis, they had this castration complex and it would cause severe amounts of anxiety in them as little children because 
they felt like they had been castrated. So Freud was just full of delightful theories and ideas about sex. And Freud categorized sexual development as taking place through three different, a series of different stages. And the first stage was the oral stage. And that's where the mouth for a child is the erogenous zone. And breastfeeding is, is an activity that has sexual significance for a child because a child is oral at that stage. And then after, and that's also thumb sucking was part of that oral stage. And then the next stage is the anal stage. And that's when the control of defecation becomes something, it becomes a focus of, of children. And that emerges into the phallic stage, which is marked by childhood masturbation. Freud was obsessed with masturbation and uh, was very much um, encouraged it and thought it was very healthy for young children to engage in that. And then there's a period of latency for Freud where there's not much uh, sexual activity. And then finally, there's the genital phase for Freud. And that is kind of a turning away from the autoerotic stage and turning outward and looking for a sexual partner. And so again, to get back to the id, the ego and the superego, the id is present from birth. And the id is kind of our human's basic instinctual drives. Um, the id is kind of like an unregulated, disorganized, dark, unknowable sea of chaotic, irrational desires. That's what the id is. So I don't know where if that's where the word idiot came from, but <laughs> I think it might be. But the id um, is basically kind of just basic sexual drives, basic kind of primal sexual drives. And then there's the ego and the ego develops over time. And it's kind of the mediator between the id and the surrounding world. And the ego has the, the task of satisfying the desires of the id in a, in a way that brings happiness, but not bringing grief to the person, not bringing destruction to the person. And then, of course, there's the superego. And the superego again, develops over time. And the superego is all about internalizing the customs and the sexual mores of society and the conventions of society. So for example, traditional marriage and, and so on, that's the superego. And the, and the superego is what really balances out the id. The superego, it's almost like the id and the superego are two ends of the spectrum and the superego is almost like the conscience and the id is this kind of primal sexual urge. So the superego uh, balances all, all of that out. But even though the superego is helpful, it, Freud sees the, is he sees the sexual mores of the culture 
as problematic because they inhibit the basic drive for personal sexual satisfaction. And therefore, they, they inhibit a person's pursuit of happiness, pursuit of, of uh, the pleasure principle. And again, Freud, with, in terms of religion, had, he was an avowed atheist, and, but he had a deep disdain for religion, especially Christianity, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sure um, Judaism. But he, he realized that even though he disdained religion and thought it was uh, childish, he thought it was infantile and he thought it was wish fulfillment. He didn't believe religion. He didn't believe that there were any truth claims. There were any, there was any truth in Christianity. He just thought it was wish fulfillment, but he did recognize that religion played a key role in maintaining civilization. So in other words, Christianity or Judaism or religion in general helped to curb people's crazy sexual appetites so that people weren't, you know, having sex in the streets. And therefore, religion was important for Freud. It was important because it curbed that wild desire of the id. It helped curb that. So even though he didn't believe any of the claims of Christianity, he he recognized the kind of pragmatic results of it. For Freud, religion was for people who were mentally deficient or emotionally immature. He he just thought again that religion was infantile and was some sort of wish fulfillment, some fantasy uh, about about our place in the world and a transcendent God and and an afterlife. And Freud believed that religion was holding people back from being happy. It was it was an impediment to happiness. And so he he on the one hand he appreciated religion for kind of its practical results and civilization and how it sort of held civilization together, but he also thought that it was destroying our happiness. And so for Freud, the alternative to religion was the religion of psychoanalysis. And he felt like psychoanalysis would fill that void of kind of human need. And so as long as we could understand our sexual impulses, our sexual urges, and fully sort of engage with those urges without being destructive to civilization, then that's kind of, that would fill the void of religion. And that's why the essay is called Civilization and Its Discontents, because civilization was important, but because of civilization, because we're civilized, and because of our desire, because our desires are curbed by social conventions and sex, social and sexual mores, traditional mores, we are discontent as human beings. So that's why he calls it civilization and its discontents. And for Freud, guilt, guilt was important because guilt was kind of our internal regulator of our, our sexual conduct and our sexual behavior. So guilt 
was it it was kind of a two double-edged sword it was like it helped kind of curb our sexual kind of appetite and sexual behavior outward behavior but it also was it could turn inward and make us the guilt could make us extremely neurotic this neurosis came from this guilt and so Freud, <laughs> for Freud, every human being was just a case of neuroses. Every every human was neurotic. So with Freud, I mean, basically human beings are constantly sexually frustrated because they have these urges, but society says, no, you can't do that. And there's this constant frustration and battle going on which of course psychoanalysis can alleviate and ameliorate. And one of the ways to ameliorate, besides psychoanalysis, ameliorate the sexual frustration was through sublimation and and you know, through art, through science, and even for Freud, through drugs and alcohol. That was a way to escape this frustration. And it was, you know, it was part of helping, helping human beings get by in a civilized civilization, in a civilized life. So before Freud, sex was an activity for procreation and recreation. But after Freud, post-Freud, sex is, defines who we are as individuals and as societies and as a species, as human beings, sex again sex is is our identity it's it's who we are it's our it's it defines who we are and that's why i mean i saw there's i've been seeing these billboards around los angeles um for this hbo series called generation and i knew that there was something deeply dark about the the series when I'll put this up on the screen right now, but when the title of the show generation has, instead of a T for generation, there's a plus mark, a plus sign. And I was like, okay, I know what the show is all about. And I actually watched the pilot episode to see what was going on because one of actually an old friend of mine was, is one of the executive producers on the show. And Lena Dunham is also one of the executive producers. She she was the producer of creator of the show Girls, the HBO show, HBO show Girls, which uh, was crazy. And but I so I watched the pilot of Generation, and it was mind blowing. I mean. Talk about any innocence left for children because it, it's it's a it takes place in a high school in California. I think it's in Los Angeles or somewhere around here. But um, basically, all of the kids in the show, it's all about them. It's all about them being non-binary, transgender, queer you know, cisgender, it's all these kind of like these terms that are, are the catchphrases of the day, the catch terms of the day. And, 
And it's all about them exploring sexuality and having sex with, I mean, it's crazy. Just like the show, it's the, these kids have sex with like the, uh, one of the guys has sex with a girl and then he has a sex with a boy in his class. And, and there's so much confusion and evil in it. It's it's seriously one. I think it's probably the most. It's the darkest, most wicked show I think I've ever seen in my life. It was so disturbing to the core. I want to contact my old friend and just say, just stop, stop doing this, stop creating this content. Like, what are you doing? This, and for me, watching the show, of course, I know the truth and I know all the lies that are happening, but this show, of course, kids, teenage kids are consuming this show and they're, they're seeing these young kids act out sexually and, and claim to be non-binary and claim to be queer and all this stuff. And, and it's all, it's so, laden with sex it's just absolutely insane the amount of sex that goes on in the show and yeah and this is all a result of freud this is all this can all be traced back to sigmund freud and his psychotic obsession with sex and that's also why i mean freud is the reason why in our education system for kids that educators have become preoccupied with kind of sex, which with children's sexual liberation and, and with their sexual instincts, they, they want to encourage children's sexual instincts and uh, eliminate any sort of religious influence over a child and get rid of any religion from the classroom at all. That's not allowed. Sex is allowed in the classroom, but religion is definitely not. And what Freud failed to comprehend or understand really was the fall, the fall of mankind because of, of Adam and Eve's rebellion in the garden. Everything became distorted, including our sexuality and I've said this before, but our sexuality is so distorted because of the fall. And that's why when people say, you know, I was born gay, blah, blah, blah. So it must be right. And God wouldn't create me this way. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, yes, you may have been born gay. The, the science, the, the science is inconclusive on whether you're born gay or if it's intrauterine or if it's environmental, but regardless, if you're born gay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference because, because of the fall, our sexual, our sexuality, everything about us is distorted and even our genetic coding. So if there's a gay gene, it doesn't matter because our, our genetics are distorted by the fall and God created sex in Genesis one and two, God created sex and he, sex is a good thing. But he created parameters. I talked about this before. He created parameters for sex to be expressed within the covenant of a lifelong marriage between one man and one woman uh, 
And again, anything outside of those parameters leads to pain, suffering, destruction, all kinds of societal problems and ills. And of course, I didn't understand that before I was saved. I, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. But now I get that. I get why God set up those boundaries. And it's not because he's some tyrant in the sky. It's because he loves us. He loves, he loves his creation. And he wants us as human beings to flourish. And we cannot flourish when, like that show, Generation on HBO, that to me is the opposite of human flourishing. That is... That's human, that's such human depravity and human destruction. And those kids in that show all have deep, I mean, the characters in the show all have deep emotional problems. And kids watching those shows are going to develop the same problems or already have them. And so that's why God puts boundaries around sex. And once us, and I, and again, I, after I got saved, I was so happy to know that. And so it was such a joy to know that there are boundaries. I like, I like having boundaries. I like being obedient to my father in heaven. It, I feel a sense of security and I feel a sense of comfort by that. Um, whereas before it just felt like I was all over the place and there was so much danger so much danger <laughs> in my life before um, sexually and 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 otherwise but um I'm so glad that God saved me out of that world and I'm excited I get to thank him for all of eternity so thank you for joining me on today's episode and I will see you next week on the Becca Cook show have a good week thank you Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of The Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice from the How to Study the Bible podcast, and I'd love to invite you to join us as we weekly discover a passage of God's Word together. From beginning to end, from principles to practicals, we are here to make sure that God's Word is powerful and relevant to your life. If that sounds like something you're looking for, I would love to invite you to subscribe. You can go to lifeaudio.com and search How to Study the Bible, and we'll see you there.